You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. You see how sneaky they are, these economic terrorists? If you are an unbanked person because you don't want to be, they're going to end your ability to be unbanked by eliminating cash. That's the goal, folks. The goal is to draw you out of the shadows and force you into this system. And don't worry, because they're going to give you a card loaded up with CBDC on it. Let's go back to Bo Lee, Deputy Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund. The second aspect that CBDC can help improve financial inclusion is because of its legal tender status. Because CBDC is an obligation of central bank. And the obligation of central bank is a legal tender in every country. So it is widely accepted. That creates potential value for everyone to use it. And finally, the third way we think CBDC can improve financial inclusion is through what we call programmability. Oh, pay careful attention, folks. There's a programmability. So old Bo Lee opens up financial inclusion can be improved through programmability. Let's see what he says. Through what we call programmability. That is, CBDC can allow government agencies and private sector players to program, to create smart contracts, to allow targeted policy functions, for example, welfare payment, for example, consumption coupon, for example, food stamp. By programming CBDC, those money can be precisely targeted for what kind of people can own and what kind of use this money can be utilized. Right there, folks. Right there, folks. Right there, ladies and gentlemen. So you have managing director of the International Monetary Fund in his opening statement here on October 14, 2022, just a couple of months ago, just a couple of months ago, talking about programmability. What did he say? Food stamps, uh, food coupons, food stamps, et cetera, et cetera. Just like what I told you, they're going to start to take these people that hold their hand out to the government for regular payments that will come from Social Security, welfare, EBT, EBT, uh, disability, and such. And these are going to be the folks that they're going to test this on. And so it will be programmed so you can only use it at certain places with certain goods. And he said only for certain types of people. So as I showed you in the original Technocracy Incorporated Energy Certificate documents going back to the 1930s, you are not allowed to transfer the energy certificates. You're not allowed to sell them. You're not allowed to gift them to anyone. They're only for you. That's what he's talking about here. So when they dump the CBDC into your wallet, 
let's say you're receiving uh, food stamps, you can't transfer those or sell those to anybody else. They're marked for you and they will expire. So you can't build them up and then all of a sudden go on a shopping spree one day. You're going to have to use them within that one week, one month, one year window, whatever it may be, whatever it's programmed to be based on the blockchain smart contract. And then you're only going to be able to buy from certain people for certain things. And this is going to end up being for everyone, folks. I told you, the technology allows them through artificial intelligence and algorithms to program the money in actual real time. I believe that it can actually be targeted down to each individual token. All right, let's continue with Bo here, managing director of the International Monetary Fund. Right now, economic terrorist number one on this panel. Example for food. So this potential programmability can help government agencies to precisely target their support to those people who need support. So that way can also improve financial inclusion. Of course, I want to end with a caveat, because CBDC is not a panacea. CBDC cannot solve every challenge in financial inclusion. There are some aspects of financial inclusion is not related to technology. For example, financial literacy, digital literacy. So CBDC has to work with other policies together to try to improve financial inclusion. I stop here. All right, so what he's saying there is they have to have some other organization, some other group has to work on the financial and digital literacy. So we got to step up the game in the public indoctrination center school system around the world to indoctrinate, propagandize, brainwash, and mind control the children, the next generation, into the new system. That's all they're saying, teaching them about the new financial system and the new technological digital system. You need to raise the children to grow up inside of the culture of technocracy so that there will be no resistors and so that everyone will be included that's what inclusion means that's the theme of this show inclusion that's what this means folks that's what he's talking about little yoda over here all right let's go back to kathy the uh, host of the panel vera this is a good place for you to follow up because 1.4 billion adults uh, in the world, 24% remain unbanked. And again, this is something you worked on so many issues in your years of work in Africa, uh, and this is among them. Uh, and when you think of what the blockades are, because there's got to be demand, right? Obviously, demand people who don't even have a bank account are certainly going to be eager to take, involve themselves in these systems. But there are things that, despite how much they want it, maybe they can't get it or can't do it. Okay, so now you understand, because you have the propagandist here from Bloomberg talking about Africa. So you have all of these in their mind, the mud hut people, right? These indigenous mud hut people that just live this uh, natural life and uh, they don't have bank accounts. So how are we going to get this rocking and rolling? So now you see why this UN lady, this world banker here, um, Vera is on the panel uh, because she's working on the UN project in Africa. Now you understand why they had three African kids 
out of a total of four featured in the video because i told you the system of inclusion has to include everyone so even the mud hut people have to be brought into this system of slavery i mean in all honesty folks i feel very bad for these people uh with what's about to happen to them and remember we covered here one of these uh, billionaire scumbags funded a big time technocrat funded a test pilot project in africa where they got five thousand people hooked up on universal basic income and i don't know they said that they lived on one dollar a day so they were giving them something like 22 dollars a day and i told you this is how you hook people into the central bank world bank uh, Bank for International Settlements, International Monetary Fund, World Economic Forum, United Nations, flimflam operation. You take people that were just doing quite well for a thousand years in the culture that they live in, and then you come in there with people like Bill Gates and Melinda Gates and the Clintons, and you start messing around with their culture. And you go, wow, these people are poor because they live on the equivalent of a dollar a day. Well, they're out in the field hunting lions to eat, all right? They grow their own vegetables. They have a culture. Well, no. First, we have to get them addicted to materialism. This is the same thing as a drug dealer getting people addicted to drugs. You go and you hand out uh, bags of free blue meth, you know, crystal, if you're Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. You go hand out free bags of the blue meth and get people hooked on it and then you can turn them into customers so what these guys do is they go in and they give people uh electricity and flat screen tvs and tablets and smartphones where they can watch stupid youtube videos all day and hang out on tiktok and then they get them hooked into it and then they realize oh my god we need $200 a day to be able to live like this, not a dollar a day. And before you know it, you have them hooked on the drug of soulless, mindless, consumeristic materialism. And then you say that they're freer now. They're freer. They have more liberty, even though they're completely enslaved because technology is a system of enslavement. That's what it is. It's a system of enslavement. And so you enslave them now, but you say they're freer, and now you're going to include them in the freedom machine, in this central bank economic terrorism freedom machine, so that they can buy gold uh, Adidas t-shirts and nike shoes you know they can get the latest air jordans and then they could strap their kids up with teletubby backpacks and dora the explorer t-shirts and then you say they're free but you got them hooked on materialism now they need a bank account they need to have a smartphone they need access to central bank digital currency through the form of universal basic income because you now got them addicted to this materialistic nonsense this soulless garbage and that's it folks this this is how the central bankers work it's quite obvious i mean we're obviously boiling this down into very simple terms layman's terms but i think you can understand i really think you can i i think you can see it now and i'm not sitting here and criticizing you if you're someone who loves to have expensive things or whatever that's your choice but you can see how people are brainwashed into it how they're coerced into this system it's really frankly disgusting ladies and gentlemen all right i'll be right back let me take a quick break a sip of tea here and calm down my name is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. 
Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, I think you can see now why if you're a homesteader or you're thinking about being a homesteader or like a quasi-homesteader going half Amish, why these people despise you. If you figure out how to scrape together the cash to buy a piece of land out in the middle of West Virginia and you live off the land and you need very little cash, like let's say everything is paid off. Some of these counties out in West Virginia, your property tax is like $200 a year if you own 15 acres, whether you have a house on it or anything. They don't have a tax inspector guy that goes out there and checks your property so you can build anything on them. They're basically these unregulated territories, unrestricted, where you can do whatever you want. So let's say... I don't know. You you were able to put all your uh, pull all your money out of everywhere you've got it. Sell everything you got. You got an inheritance. You're lucky. You go out there, and I'm talking in West Virginia. You could buy um, in some places. 10, 12 acres for under $100,000. Let's say you did that. And you can find ones with a hunting cabin on it that has a electricity run out there and then has a, a septic tank and a well. So let's say you got that. And then real cheap, you built yourself a house for like $50,000. So let's say you've got $150,000, $200,000 in this. And you're growing your own food, you're hunting, and you don't really need much money. Like somehow you got to come up with, I don't know, $1,500 a month, right, to to be able to, um, I don't know, keep maintain your car, get some gas for your car, stuff like that. So you don't really need to do much. Well, they would say you're poor. Well, are you poor if you grow your own food, you hunt your own uh, you know, animals for meat, you butcher yourself, you cook, you're just kind of living Davy Crockett style out there? No, I mean, in your mind, you're very wealthy. I mean, you own your land and you're actually free. You don't uh, weigh your life based on how much stuff you accumulate, right? But to them, they're going to say you're poor. You're poor and they have to come in and they have to bank you and they want to include you in the system because it's just not fair that you don't have 14 flat screen TVs and 29 tablets sitting around there. They don't like that. They don't like that because they need to get you hooked on it, on the drug, the drug of materialism, to push you into this system of inclusion, which is a total system of slavery, where everyone is included in the slave system. And so that's why they despise you. That's why they've been sending Bill Gates out there to buy up all the farmland. That's why they have been using all their companies to buy up all the open land. This is why the federal government, the state governments control over 50 Fifty percent of the land in this country because they don't want people doing that because you truly are free of them now yes they could come over they could crop dust you and kill your crops they could come in with the military they can steal your land or something like that 
But if the social score system and CBDC doesn't scare you, then they have to do it by force. And they don't want to have to do it by force. They want to do it by force through the technology, not with actual guns. They don't want a David Koresh scenario. That's counterproductive and it's a waste of time for them. So instead, they're going to drive you out of the brush, out of the bush. They're going to drive you out of the mud hut into the system of materialism. And that's how they lock you down and control you. And they want total and complete domination over every single person on this planet and as you know it's not just the people not just the humans they want to upload their technocratic operating system into everything folks into dna into the plants and the animals that's why they're gmoing everything this is why they cloud seed they want to control the air they want to control the oceans they want to control the fish they want to control the birds they want to control the mosquitoes which they genetically modify they want to control everything folks down to the last blade of grass which they genetically modify so as you can see it's a system of control ladies and gentlemen it's really disgusting but i think with everything we've talked about here in 110 episodes uh, from transhumanism to eugenics to technocracy to now getting into the financial control system cbdc's ubi we've gotten into the metaverse internet of things internet of bodies I mean, we've touched on a lot of stuff here at the Dust and Gold Standard. I think it is starting to become clear to you what these sick, disgusting, power-hungry control freaks are actually up to. And I'm telling you, it leads to a physical world uh, that is a digital prison, and then the digital world that you live inside, the metaverse, and then this biological hijacking that they are focused on, which is genetically modifying humans, putting brain chips in them, turning them into transhumans, transitional humans, to lead them into a post-human world, which is a no-human world. That is what these people actually envision. So it's it's going slowly, but they are actually advancing pretty damn quickly. All right, let's continue with this, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, no, um, thank you. And first of all, uh, thanks to the IMF, Christalina. So we're listening to Vera here. She's with the United Nations, with the Africa Project, and also with the World Bank. Let's continue. Thank you, Maxima, for uh, uh, putting this conversation on the table. I think um, three things in central bank digital currencies. Yes, we all know, and uh, Maxima said, 70% more people are now banked. But to be banked is one thing. To have access to your resources is another. To have access to your resources in a timely fashion is an even more important point. And if you think about somebody in rural Rwanda who is sick and needs resources transferred very quickly to them from somebody in Kigali, normally in the normal banking system, you need to wait two days to get access to those resources. With central bank digital currencies, you could have it immediately and you could use it immediately. That's one thing. So it makes inclusion faster and it actually spreads it. And so that's one of the most important things I think that Okay, so let's pause there for a second. So again, inclusion. It makes inclusion faster. So let me break that down for you because that's a code there. So she has to use the example, tug at the heartstrings. If someone is sick and then their friend in another city wants to send them money in the normal commercial banking system, that's going to take two days. But with CBDC, it's immediate and therefore it makes inclusion faster. Well, they're talking about including people into the slave system. She's talking about the adoption. It makes the adoption campaign 
campaign work faster. Because, of course, if you're going to tell people they could transfer money faster instead of just the commercial banks doing it in the system they have now, they can't do that. They needed to move to the central bank digital currency system. So now that's going to be a key feature of it. So when Arsenio Hall from Coming to America is speaking up here, oh, I'm sorry, this is Vera, not Arsenio Hall from Coming to America. It looked like a character that he was playing. I got lost for a minute. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, folks, I have to entertain myself at the same time. But no, I'm telling you, this is what they're talking about. Inclusion faster means faster adoption for them, for the economic terrorists, the central bankers. Let's continue. You get. And on the African continent, for example, we have now the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement. Christina made mention the fact that there are all these boats in choppy waters. We know that with the crisis and COVID, one of the things that we have faced is supply chain disruptions. Part of the supply chain disruptions are because of payment systems and settlement systems that cannot clear because each smallholder uh, trader is demanding so little that there is not enough payment systems to feed into those processes. And so what you need is when you have central bank digital systems, you can actually agglomerate that and clear them much faster. Oh, okay, okay. So the supply chain issues caused by COVID land, the high school theater production, are the fall of the current payment systems to get the different vendors along the supply chain paid. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We can't do that, though, because the transactions are so small that we can't move the money around. What a crock, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue. And much quicker. So it makes small business owners access their commodities much faster. They don't have to wait two or three weeks to have enough demand to be able to supply. You can continuously supply and make that happen. So that's another, I think, very important financial inclusion point. And finally, as uh, was said, Right, right. So pause there. So now you see one of the reasons why they orchestrate the supply chain issues is to force adoption. That's inclusion, adoption, inclusion, adoption, inclusion. You got that? So now there's supply chain issues. Hey, we can make it faster with CBDC and make sure your supply chains open back up. Does this not sound eerily familiar to the way the mafia used to run neighborhoods, let's say in New York City? Right, They would go in your store and they would say, listen, we will provide protection for $200 a week. Well, I don't need protection. What do you mean? There's no problems. Yeah, there's some bad gangs in this neighborhood and we can make sure that your store doesn't burn down. Meanwhile, uh, the guy's leaning over the counter flicking his uh, Zippo lighter, acting all tough. We can make sure your store doesn't burn down. You know what I'm saying? And so you give us $200 a week and we'll make sure we'll protect you. A protection racket. So that's what they're saying. We shut down the supply chains, and now we'll open them back up if you switch over to central bank digital currency. Folks, this stuff is so obvious so obvious they're not even hiding it let's continue it is backed by the central bank and so one of the most important things of any currency is that you should have trust in it one we need price stability and then we need confidence and trust in the currency that we're using and i think the fact that it's backed by central banks with the regulatory robustness that is needed particularly today is quite important if this was true if this was true people would be standing up and saying we don't trust the central banks we have mass inflation and we're all going broke right now 
uh, within a matter of three months, I'm going to be living in a tent under a bridge uh, inside of a uh, refrigerator box put together with uh, shipping tape that I pulled out of the dumpster at the UPS store. I mean, I'm serious. If, if this was real, people would be standing up saying, we have no trust in the central banks. Look at the system you created and the situation that you created. Seriously, folks, it is a joke. Let's continue. I think the reaction from the central banking world is mixed, isn't it? Uh, some people are, are running towards it. Some are more cautious. And so we're now going to get two central banking voices in here. And, and that's not you first. That's Cecilia. You are the, the main central banker here. But Cecilia, you're at the BIS Innovation Hub now. That's as a recent job. But you were the, the Swedish central bank. So you can you have that central banker kind of skepticism and how is this going to work? And a lot of it has to do with complementary policies. And that strikes me as a very bland way to say there's a lot of complicated stuff to figure out here. So what's on your list? All right. So this is Cece here. She's the head of the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub. We went over that uh, briefly on the show. I showed you their document on Enbridge, which was their cross-border project they were running with China, Thailand, and others. All right. Let's continue. I come from the oldest central bank in the there world. There you go. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Rick's Bank. And uh, uh, we, we started to look at this um, a couple of years back because we saw uh, the very rapid change out going out of cash into digital payments and we were sort of agnostic about that but uh, we thought okay so how do we meet poly public policy objectives in a, in, a, in a future where cash no longer works uh, so it, it's really great to be able to work pause you see that public policy objectives where cash no longer works so how are the central bankers and the Bank for International Settlements here going to meet the policy objectives where cash no longer works? See, the policy was already set in stone. These guys are building the technology to match what the policy is. <laughs> it's wonderful, the nuggets that you pull out of this stuff, folks. Let's continue. With these issues now on a, on a global scale, so I'm happy to be here. So money is a fantastic invention that has been created by mankind to make economic values portable. Uh, but mankind has also struggled over history uh, how to arrange money systems. And we have learned many times the hard way that uh, if only the private sector is doing it, it doesn't end well. And for the best part of 100, 200 years, we have this structure where we have central banks sitting at the core of the monetary system but we have most of all uh, private entities kind of handling uh, mm -hmm. the products um, and as technology uh, and there you go there she admits i mean for those of you that know this stuff that's no secret but she admits right there the central banks create the system and then the so-called private sector banks handle the actual marketing and selling of the so-called products all right let's continue moves we have left shells and gold and, and uh, copper coins and the likes behind us uh, and we're now slowly getting out of notes and physical money altogether and into the digital world so it makes a lot of sense i think that central banks go out on this journey and thinking about, all right, so technology flips, um, the, the uh, um, uh, appetite for doing this in new forms is rising. How do we make sure it is safe and efficient and inclusive? Um, so it's only when... 
safe and efficient and inclusive. This is what the economic terrorists do, folks. They wake up every day and they think about how to make central bank digital currency, digital money, a digital payment system, safe and inclusive. This is what they do. They love you. The bankers are altruistic people. I don't know if you've known this. Uh, Many of you would just think they're greedy fat cats. But no, they're actually philanthropic, altruistic folks who wake up every day. They're Mother Teresa of banking. That's who we're talking about here. It's the Gandhi of banking, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue. These objectives are fulfilled that people will actually trust money uh, and the payment systems. So, as has already been touched upon, uh, uh, introducing a CBDC into a society is not just a, a universal solution. It has to come in a package. Uh, so digital literacy, understanding what it means to get, have, first of all, have access to a digital ID and understanding what it means to, to use such a thing. A digital ID, you got it right there, folks, a digital ID. And as I went through the company Consensus, founded by Joseph Lubin, who was co-founders with Vitalik Buterin, who was funded by Peter Thiel to develop Ethereum, Consensus is working on the digital ID, and they've been involved with meetings with ID2020, which is Bill Gates' uh, funded organization. Digital ID comes into this, folks. So you'll have digital ID, CBDC, UBI, and then as you saw when we looked into the digital ID and government blockchains through consensus, they're talking about forced vaccinations in order to get UBI. I mean, it's all there, ladies and gentlemen, a system of complete and total control. I'm going to end it right there for today. We can only take so much at a time on this. I want you to absorb it. Some of this stuff, you guys email me, you say you have to listen to the episodes a couple of times to really grasp everything. And I don't want to blow your mind away. I want you to absorb this and try to understand it. But when you listen to these people talk, it's as if the system is already here. It's already coming. It's a foregone conclusion, right? So the biggest takeaway here, folks, is inclusion equals coercion. Remember that. My name is Dustin Gold. I'll be back tomorrow with episode 111, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for tuning in. Leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment. Join us at pain.tv slash gold for $8.58 a month or leave us a donation at donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold